Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. And here we are at the, uh, let's see, end of October. Yeah, holy cow. It's October 26th, Ron. Oh, where'd Tom go? Where'd Tom go? Where did October go? Where did September go? Where'd our summer go? (laughs) It's caught up with us, that's for certain. We, uh, if you don't pay attention, all of a sudden you find out there's white stuff on the ground. Oh, don't even mention that, Jay. My Lord. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's still a lot of harvest to do out there in the countryside. Um, you know, harvest is run late this year. Um, now that we're at the end of the season, we're starting to realize what actually went on during our growing season this summer. Oh, what do you what do you mean by that? Well, crop maturity. Even though we probably have some of the best crops in the region that we've grown in maybe ever. Really? From a volume standpoint, uh, the smoke that we had mm-hmm. off and on for extended periods. Yeah, from period the Canadian time, wildfires. Limited sunlight. Right. And of course, sunlight, you know, uh, signals crops to, to grow and mature. Right. And uh, so we're seeing everything two to three weeks behind. Huh? Really? So corn. Soybeans still had green stalks, and here we are, October 26th, haven't had a killing frost. No, it's. I had a little ice on my pickup truck, uh, what was it, two or two, three mornings? Two mornings yeah. ago, I believe. Just Very a little spotty, bit, though. a little bit. It yeah. wasn't like a hard frost, it was just a little bit, my, yes. my doors were a little bit frozen. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no killing frost yet. And that's highly unusual for Northern New York. Yes. Uh, you know, we're well past our average frost date of October 10th. Uh, many times we'll see a light frost in September, which we, you know, never saw this year. And, uh, but so here we are. Uh, so grain harvest, grain corn harvest, soybean harvest has been delayed. Uh, we've had a lot of cloudy humid days here we've been in this right. weather pattern that's uh, somewhat southerly flow and uh keeping us uh however that is keeping the cold air at bay right <laughs> yes there is a positive to that yeah and let's hope that continues yeah um, won't break our hearts because i mean how how much more time do you estimate is needed for uh northern new york to get the harvest done oh we're going to need another 30 days here we got to really get to thanksgiving yeah and wow. i i was talking to some experts this week that from around the region this isn't just new york it's northern ohio northern indiana canada province of ontario quebec uh, most all of new england um you know some are saying this is going to be the harvest that maybe never ends you hmm. know just drags and drags and really you know depending on weather and snowfall and you know you could see corn being harvested maybe in breaks in the winter even this year so wow strange uh you know we had the uh uh northeast climate expert on a while back on the podcast and talked about some of these weather patterns and the shift to el nino and he was right on target yeah so far exactly so far he talked about 
Yeah, he uh, he had predicted, and his name is escaping me at the moment. I apologize, but he had talked about El Nino setting up, and that that would create more of the nor'easter situation, where we'll see more nor'easters come up the coast in between uh, the weather will moderate, and we'll get you know yep. warmer weather. But then you'll have that blast of cold from the nor'easter maybe wrap around snow for us here in northern New York, and then it'll warm right up, sort of like it did last year for yes, a while. Yes, yes. And uh, we've already seen two nor'easters here in October. However, they were rain. Right. And Luckily. we had the lake effect event uh, being a rain event over Columbus weekend. Yeah, boy, that dumped a lot of water. Yeah, a some lot places of water. eight to nine inches in the Boonville area. That's just craziness. Just yeah. craziness. That's a lot of water. So... We got that to think about, along with uh, a lot of other things going on. We have a Speaker of the House. Yeah, well, before we dive into that, Ron, I just realized that I really didn't start the show off right. We've been, it's been a couple weeks since we've done this. Hey, I'm Jay Madison, by the way, and sitting across from me is the co-host of the show, the, the the brains of the uh, duo here, Mr. Ron Robbins. So we were just so eager to get right. We were. (laughs) We both had doctor's appointments this morning. We're like, Hey, can you do the show? Yeah. Yeah. I got to go to a doctor's appointment. You know, that sounds like we're getting old. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Oh man. (laughs) Well, you had a dentist. appointment. I had the doctor's appointment. So, but uh, yeah, we got, uh, we got gung ho and just started right into the show and uh, didn't introduce ourselves. So anyways, thank you for joining us. Uh, folks a uh, lot of different topics you were just starting to talk about yesterday finally after what three four weeks yeah a new speaker of the house now why is that important to rural america well good lord uh maybe now they can start getting some work done down there yeah. house of representatives and of course uh from an agricultural perspective and from a, even a consumer perspective uh, with our food programs, uh, a farm bill. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? And the current farm bill expires here at the end of the year. Um, actually expired at the end of the fiscal year, but they've kind of kicked the can down the road with a continuing We revolution. don't have fiscal years <laughs> yeah. in the United States anymore, and not at the federal government no, level. No, no. That only applies to everybody else right, has right. to deal with the federal fiscal year. Yes, right. The federal and government And file your itself. taxes on time, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we digress. Yes, we do. <laughs> I get a little political. Yeah. The opinions expressed here are my own and do not represent the agency that i work for but they they do cringe when i say that yeah but farm bill is uh we've had you know congresswoman tenney on talking about the farm bill we've had the uh house ag chair uh chairman thompson from pennsylvania on the show as well both uh very focused on getting a farm bill done here um and tied into that not only is a lot of programs that that work on behalf of farmers, but all of our food programs, our, our food nutritional stand, programs, school lunch programs, yep. that's all in there, uh, along with a lot of USDA reports that you know, businesses rely on to make decisions, not just ag businesses, but big corporations, food companies, um, you know, milk pricing, forecasts, all those kinds of things all fall in under the farm bill. Yeah, and it, funding. It's, it's critical legislation. And, and finally, hopefully, 
knock on wood, uh, we'll see the House of Representatives back in order and uh, operating somewhat in a um, hopefully normal manner to work on these things and get them taken care of. Besides all the other things like a, a war in the Middle East and you know, yeah, <laughs> war in Ukraine, war in the Middle East. In fact, the government's probably going to shut down here in yeah. a couple of weeks. You know, in a way, there's a little piece of me that when the House wasn't able to do anything, I'm like, eh. and, and other than like Farm Bill, that yeah. kind of stuff, I'm like, you know, there's a lot of nuisance legislation that's not getting passed right now because they're not in uh, session. In yeah, session, they can't, so. can't move anything. So yeah. I was sort of like, yeah, you know, there's a little upside to this too. That, yeah. You know, uh, maybe they won't be passing all the junk that they pass sometimes. So, And I guess our Congresswoman, she was kind of in the, the... Congresswoman Stefanik. Yeah. Yeah, she, uh, she was... Um, I guess she plays a very critical role. What is it? She is the... A majority conference chairperson. chairperson. Yeah. yeah. And she helped um, she helped get the new speaker Johnson uh, it nominated and and voted yeah. on. So yes. I Yeah, it's her very job critical basically role. to pull the rally the troops and figure God out how to get her. enough votes and uh, yeah. yeah. I know, I know what I would do if I was her. There'd be a couple of them that'd go bye bye, but mm. that's just my <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> Even if it made the majority slimmer, there's a couple of them that have caused an awful lot of havoc with really no good reason or plan behind it. But, yeah, boy, for sure. Yeah. So, so what else do we have on the docket? Well, today, so today? Uh, one of the things that uh, you know wanted to chat about is you know we we mentioned you know very in passing uh, the war in the Middle East uh, between Israel and Hamas and you know what po- has the potential to grow and you know we we hear about the atrocities that were committed when Hamas invaded Israel and and uh, you know took so many innocent lives, but people don't think about, well, what are the ripple effects of that? How is that impacting agriculture, for example? And uh, fertilizer, Uh, there's some concern that it's going to have an impact on fertilizer production. We talked about that uh, with the Russia-Ukraine war. Yeah, and now you've got another war in on the European Asian continents that it has the you know potential to impact agriculture somewhat significantly what's your familiarity with well that? yeah of course you know that parts of that middle east region there are very key to certain elements used in the production of fertilizer come out of those regions and of course in the bigger scheme of things we now have a whole region of the world um that's in total disruption yeah. um you know, that that whole Mediterranean Sea, Black Sea region is so key to moving oil, fertilizer, food. all kinds, yeah, food products. Yes. I mean, you you got so much coming through there and out of there. Um, it's, in this war, this Israeli-Palestinian uh, war could potentially, in my view and from what I've read, I mean, this really could potentially mushroom into you know a much bigger region of yeah libya jordan syria egypt 
you know, yeah, Iran. There's, there's, um, there's a lot of potential that Iran and its proxy uh, terrorist organizations and countries um, could drive this into a broader regional conflict that then very likely has the potential to pull in the United States. And if the United States gets involved, then there's other potentials that, uh, you know, potentially you could see Russia, uh, China, North Korea, you know, yeah. all of those countries. It, not necessarily hot war, but, you know, if the, involve, if the conflict starts to grow, it, more involvement. I was listening to uh, Peter Zihan's mm-hmm. uh, podcast uh, a short while ago, and he talked about this. Now, he didn't think that that was going to happen. But since that podcast, it looks like Iran has been ramping up some of their actions through their proxies uh, and uh, causing more more problems and the potential for a uh, multi-front war here that, you know, just has such strong potential to draw the United States into it. Yeah, and, and and kind of coming back to the fertilizer situation, you know, um, we've already seen prices spike a little bit here on, you know, the news of this conflict. Um, you know, that's on top of what's already, we're already seeing these disruptions that continue out of the Black Sea region. We've got ships that have been hitting mines and, and, uh, you know, so that's disrupting movement of grain and fertilizer. Um, so, you know, it just becomes uh, a cascading effect here. Right. That. Right. And markets are very nervous, both financial markets, commodity markets. Uh, we saw yesterday the S&P and the NASDAQ, you know, really take a hit yesterday. Um, oil is bouncing around like a, you know, a basketball. <laughs> it's uh, it's up. Two or three dollars one day, down a couple dollars another day. Um, you know, so a lot of uncertainty. And you know, I was reading where you know, liquefied natural gas, propane, other things all move out of that region. Vast amounts that go everywhere around the world. Right. Right. And of course, those are used in production of fertilizer, no matter where it is. Yeah. So, well, I was just uh, I was reviewing some of my notes while we were talking here, and uh, Israel, you you don't realize it, uh, you know, they produce three percent of the world's phosphate exports, eight percent of potash, uh, potash, potash. potash um, you know, globally. So it, it, that's pretty significant. Yes. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it really is, and it that little bit has a big impact if you start to decrease those exports it has a big increase or big impact on the market prices and so on so uh there's a lot of things that can happen from from that that are very concerning very so concerning. one other thing there is my understanding that israeli ha- israel has a a fairly significant dairy industry yes and it sits right on that border with Palestine, oh, and a lot of those farms were ravaged here under this attack that came in. Employees were killed, cows were destroyed. Um, you know, dairies were left to basically non-functional, mm. with no power, no water. You know, infrastructure blown up. Um, really, a sad situation of what's happened there to uh, to that region. Um, and how it's impacted that dairy industry that exists there. Yeah. 
It's, um, I, I didn't even think about that, Ron. Yeah, uh, Israel does have uh, for that Middle Eastern region, they are a fairly large dairy producing mm-hmm. country. Um, so, and I, I hadn't even thought about that. That'll, that'll bear some investigation to see what, what the total impact was. Of yeah. That. Yeah. It's been kind of quiet, but you know, there's starting to be some, some news leak out about the impacts of that. Hmm. Well, we'll have to watch and see it. Uh, the world is definitely upside down right now, as far as with all these conflicts and, uh, you know, it, it just, emphasizes the need to bring as much agricultural production home as possible. The more we can make here, uh, the more we can take care of ourselves, the better. Which is a good segue for me to remind folks that the uh, Jefferson County Local Food Resiliency Grant Program uh, applications are due uh, in December. Um, We have both the grant program for production agriculture. So if you're, you know, if you're growing something on the farm and you want to buy some harvesting equipment to help you improve your efficiency, you potentially can apply. Or if you're a um, a value-added food producer, so let's say you have on-farm cheese production or you're a maple syrup producer, you can potentially apply for funds uh, to help you improve that operation. All of those programs are available at agri or the grant applications are available at agricultureevents.com. That's agricultureevents.com. <coughs> um, you can go there, get all the information, or give me a shout. Uh, you know, after you listen to the show, and I can talk to you about you know uh, your your project and whether it fits into those grant programs. So mm-hmm. a little bit of a segue there for yeah. that, sir. Yeah. Um, so let's let's bring it back to uh, the U.S. We talked about the Farm Bill. Um, Want to bring it back to New York in particular. I'm hearing now uh, that there's talk about revising the recycling program here in New York. And I I I was very involved. I lived in Oswego County at the time. I was very involved in helping set up the Oswego County recycling program. Uh, very much, you know, recognize, support the need for recycling. But it sounds like New York is basically going to toss the old program out to a degree. Um, you know, I might be being a little bit too more too much, you know, drama with that. Uh, but it sounds like they're going to do a big uh, change to New York's recycling program and put the onus back on the producer rather than the municipalities and the uh, private recycling companies. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I, I, I really want to look at more of the legislation of what they're proposing, but I'm not sure I like that. I don't know that that will accomplish what needs to be done in the, in the realm of recycling. If you, if for example, if you say to a farm, well, you've, you've got a, You've got to take care of your waste stream, and you've got to figure out how to recycle it. Yeah. <laughs> you've just, you know, up here in northern New York, you know, you're going to have 300 dairy farms trying to figure out, well, how do we recycle our ag plastics? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it really puts a lot of pressure on agricultural businesses, greenhouses, dairies, um, you know, generate a significant amount of, of 
plastic waste in particular, uh, cardboard waste um, would be another one. Um, and, you know, it appears on the surface anyway that this is pretty problematic and really is another um, kind of shot at, at private business to yeah. uh, put you know, regulations on them that are burdensome. Yeah. And, you know, when, and really when we expect, one of the things we expect government to help us with, they're, they're kind of shirking that responsibility and throwing it back on private right. business. Right. And uh, so they're creating laws that require recycling, but don't want to help <laughs> come up with solutions, right. which we see that a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, that's, and, and that seems to be the trend. Yeah. Let's regulate, 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 and not provide solutions. Yeah, uh, Just create the regulations, and it doesn't matter the, the bad results of that. We can say we've got regulations in place. Yeah, and um, it becomes an enforcement opportunity right. for the various agencies that, that uh, enforce those regulations, and it just trickles on down and becomes a real problem. Yeah. You know, an enforcement state is not a good state. No. And, and we see that a lot. Um, yeah. You know, we've seen it with things like uh, waste tires, um, you know, where nobody's thinking about solutions to how we get rid of these tires. They only want to enforce the fact that they exist and we don't want to see them. Right. So plastics and other glass wine bottles, yeah, yeah. you know, putting the the burden back onto the farm winery uh, to recycle the, the wine bottles versus you know a private recycling company right. doing that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It'll. We've got to. We'll have to do more research into this and find out. Um, Yo. Yeah, it's one of these things that just kind of flew under the radar yeah, screen. Yeah, I didn't and, catch uh, it until I started doing yeah. you know, a little prep for the show and said, yeah. whoa, what's this? I yeah. hadn't heard about this. Yeah, I had the opportunity to sit in on a um, meeting the other night. It was hosted by Cornell Cooperative Extension. Uh, some folks out of Cornell University are looking at trees for... Uh, you know, carbon sequestration mm-hmm. and, and cur- how do we how do we better encourage forests? Um, and there were some people in the audience, and there was a comment by one person that, well, you know, we ought to we ought to uh, you know require tree planting, and we ought to give a tax break for every tree that a homeowner plants. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you start coming into private property rights, you know, and I find it kind of interesting that, you know, we have the state uh, promoting, you know, tree planting uh, for carbon sequestration, yet places like the Adirondack Park, there is no forest management whatsoever going on there. Um, You know, they basically limit the ability to go in and manage that forest, cut out Problem areas. And well, the beyond that, Ron, the um, you know the demand for renewable energy from the state itself. You know, I saw a forest get cut. Yeah, to put clear in, cut. Clear cut to put in solar panels. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That kind of goes against the grain. I'm like, 
how does this make sense when you're talking about climate, you know, fighting climate change and carbon sequestration when you harvest a forest to put in solar panels? Yeah. There's a problem there. Yeah. There's a real problem there. And that's, you know, when, when this person talked about, you know, a tax break, that might sound good on the surface to folks. You know, oh, yeah, give me a tax break for every tree I plant in my yard. Well, every tree you plant in your yard that you get a tax break for, guess what? There's going to be somebody that's going to come and check in on you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're going to get told what to do mm-hmm. uh, and what type of tree to plant and where you can plant it and how many you can plant on your own private property. Yeah. Yeah, that becomes a very slippery slope. I, let's hope uh, let's, we don't, don't go down those paths. Boy, we're... Uh, we're all over government. I guess today. we are. I guess we are. It's been a while, yeah. and just it's all pent up. Some of the stuff that we see go go on just makes you crazy. Just makes you crazy. But you know, we we're very fortunate here in Jefferson County. We have a fantastic Jefferson County Board of Legislators, very supportive of agriculture. Yes, yes, uh, we are very very fortunate here to have county leadership that recognizes the importance of agriculture and and kind of keeps their head screwed on straight when it comes to, uh, you know, how we support and how we regulate agriculture here. Uh, Speaking of, uh, it's Farm Bureau annual meeting season. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, right. You were at the Oswego County meeting. Well, it wasn't wasn't their annual. Oh, okay. This was, it was their first time doing it. Uh, Oswego County Farm Bureau held a, um, a trivia night dinner. Okay. And they asked me to come down. It was their first one ever. They asked me to host it. Um, it was a great dinner that they put on, uh, fantastic food. And uh, they finished it with a trivia night competition, okay. Ag Trivia Night. And they had all these teams, uh, and you had to answer, what was it, 50 questions on agriculture. Some were real easy. Some were pretty mm-hmm. pretty complicated. Um, and you know, they had small prizes for the winning team. It was more pride than anything else. Yeah. Uh, but it was a lot of fun and it was a great way for Farm Bureau to come together and celebrate. But you're right on Monday next week Mm -hmm. is the Jefferson County Farm Bureau annual meeting. So, um, and Nance, you've you've been there. You know what those are all about. Yeah, and, it, and of course, Farm Bureau, uh, you know, it's a grassroots organization and, and is, you know, known for its policy development process yep. of moving <clears throat> um, ideas from an individual farmer who maybe wants to see something happen or change and uh, from a policy perspective, and they can bring those issues forward, and then it goes up through the the process of county and state, and 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 so for example, here in Jefferson County, the board of directors has already met and you know gone over a bunch of different policies that have been proposed or existing policies. They've you know they've developed some positions on them. At the Jefferson County Farm Bureau meeting on Monday, uh, there, all of the membership for Jefferson County Farm Bureau is invited in, and they'll go through every single policy. Um, and there's there's the potential to have an open debate about that mm-hmm. policy on mm-hmm. the floor, and then the membership will vote to, you know, 
support or oppose. Or not, yeah. So, yep. um, no, it's a good process, and it's it's something you know I've been involved in for many decades, and you know our fam. My dad was Farm Bureau president way back when. Um, you know, so it's kind of a tradition for to be involved, right? And uh, right. you know, certainly uh, look forward. We're actually hosting the Farm Bureau annual meeting out at the Gathering Barn. Yeah, yeah. So, so that'll uh, be a good place. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. And it's it's good to see these. Uh, I know Cornell Cooperative Extension, and it is annual meeting season. I'm yes. going to uh, Cornell Cooperative Extension's annual meeting tonight, and then uh, Farm Bureau's next week, and uh, hockey game on Saturday. So yeah, by the busy time. weekend. It's going to be busy for the next several days. So, well, I think, Ron, I... I I think we've covered all of the topics that we wanted to discuss today. Yeah. Is there anything no, we missed? No, I'm good, Jay. Let's uh, hope we continue to get some favorable fall weather here. Harvest progresses along, and uh, and we look forward to uh, getting back on the air next week. And yeah. I, I actually have. They, they were supposed to come in this week, but uh, a scheduling conflict developed. I'm really looking forward. We've got a great interview coming up with... Uh, Two young women who own uh, their own farms up on the St. Lawrence River, uh, both in vegetable production. One is on Grindstone Island. The other one is in Cape Vincent. And uh, very interesting stories. I think we'll uh, really enjoy having a good conversation with them. Uh, So if everything goes well, they were scheduled for this week. They'll be in next week. All right. Awesome. Good. Well, all right, folks, I think that is it. We really appreciate you joining Ron and I here on Jay Madison's Rural America. Have a great weekend and uh, uh, stay safe out there. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.